Hey folks, welcome to the Hub Podcast, episode number 19. Happy to have you along. Thanks for taking the time to download. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Or maybe you're being held against your wishes and forced to listen to this episode. I mean, to be honest, I can think of worse forms of torture than having to listen to this podcast, especially this episode. Um, So I still hope you find some enjoyment in it. Maybe? I don't know. Hey, um, today... I've got Sheila Dunn on the podcast. That's right, that Sheila Dunn. Editor of the San Antonio and Austin Wedding Guides, Sheila Dunn. Producer of the San Antonio and Austin Bridal Extravaganzas, that Sheila Dunn. Speaker at the Wedding MBA Conference in Las Vegas. Marketing, branding, and communication superhero, Sheila Dunn. And the Sheila Dunn who has helped countless small businesses in our industry, including us, by the way, move past obstacles, gain exposure and new clientele, uh, and establish firm footing with their businesses. She's a goddamn superstar. I admire her like crazy, and I'm very humbled, sincerely, that she took the time to sit and talk with me. Uh, Well, I have a feeling it was more you guys she took the time to speak to. I just happened to be in the room. Um, She has shown quite an affinity. She's very drawn to consulting and advising new entrepreneurs, uh, and that's you guys. So this medium was a really good fit for her, and I enjoyed it immensely. Anyways, I hope you guys like it, and if you are in the San Antonio market, uh, you can reach out to The Wedding Guide, thank her for her advice on this podcast, and I'm sure if you offer to purchase a very lavish meal, you can get more advice and information from her. Uh, And believe me, It is golden to have people like her as a resource uh, to people like us. So enjoy this one. Here's my conversation with Miss Sheila Dunn at the studio. I hope you guys like it. years mm-hmm. um, before that I did newspapers but mm-hmm. along in there too what a lot of people don't know is that I did stand-up comedy mm-hmm. get out of town mm-hmm. that is awesome I love that so putting me on the spot I, you you're know, okay yeah I'll, I'll find a way out of it you can and deflect I, like a and if I pro. tend to start going kind of being on too much which I sometimes do just bring me back Okay. Well, I'm less worried about that. Um, well, cool. So, tell me about uh, tell me about where Sheila is right now in life. How how are things going? Give me give me the quick picture painted of um, Sheila Dunn. Sheila Dunn's in a very good place. Nice. I am hopefully in the next few years looking at starting my third career. Really? Okay. Um. You kind of have to know a little bit of the background. So. Well, let's do this. Let's start with the background. All so right. tell me about uh, past Sheila. I am what? a, all right, first of all, I am a Yankee born and bred. Okay. Born and raised on the shores of Lake Erie, south of Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why I tend to speak so fast. And when I am speaking or something, I usually pace. You mean you walk I around? walk. I'm always moving. I, when I do the pre-shows, uh-huh. that's what I tell them. I said, first of all. 
I tend to pace. Yeah. And that partly I put to uh, attribute to the fact that I grew up in a part of the country where for nine months of the year, if you didn't keep moving, you froze. <laughs> so I, 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 just, I just do. Um, grew up in a small town. Uh, you said near Buffalo? Yeah, south of Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. About 50 miles south. Mm-hmm. Dunkirk, New York. I have driven through Dunkirk, New York. Dunkirk, Fredonia. There's a university in Fredonia. Mm-hmm. Um, but here was the problem. I, I, fit in, I was great at school. Uh-huh. Top of the class. Most responsible. Nice. The whole bit. But when I was growing up and where I was growing up, it was expected that you would go to high school, go to college, where your high school boyfriend went to college, you would get engaged your senior year of college, you would get married, you'd move back to Dunkirk, to the neighborhood, where your parents lived and you joined the same church and the same clubs and you would start the thing over again. Yeah, that was the traditional American dream, right? Yeah. Um, I am a child of the 70s. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, so that and I from a very early age but I don't think so that's not your thing not gonna happen <laughs> not gonna happen I realized very early that um, if I had to have the kind of job where I sat in the same cubicle and pushed the same papers I'd open a vein yeah yeah um, and I fortunately had parents who were very much one of my father's uh, favorite sayings was this is a big beautiful country get out and see it before you have kids oh well that's awesome so um, like a good little girl, I went off to college. Where did you go to college? Went to college, St. Mary's College in Notre Dame, Indiana. Oh, all right. So I'm a product of Catholic middle school, high school, and two Catholic colleges. Oh, wow. And Buffalo is that part of New York that's not... The, it's the it's not part. what everybody here in South no. Texas thinks of New York. That's no. in kind of a little bit more of a conservative... It's, Buffalo is... Everybody thinks of New York State, and they think New York City. And they think the city, yeah, and the island, which Buffalo is... Buffalo is the abs- absolute <laughs> farthest away you can get totally from Totally not representative Western of New, New York. York. Yeah. Um, it is a very blue-collar steel. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the area that grew up on the steel mills. And, yeah. Um, after that all died, the area went through a really bad time. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. the small town I grew up in, we had... There was a Purina plant. There was a craft plant. There was... Uh, Allegheny, Ludlam Steel, and when those plants start, you know, the die, town was dying. Um, there's a Paul Simon song that came out around the time I was getting out of high school called uh, uh, In My Hometown. Yeah. And the chorus is nothing but the dead are dying in, back in my home, my little town or my hometown. And that was exactly how I felt. And that was because economically all the plants were shutting Not down. Not just economically. It was just the whole idea. Well, yeah, the plants were shutting down. Unemployment was going up. But it was even, as a kid, you don't even realize that as much as, I don't want oh, this life. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to join the Elks Club or the, the yeah. Moose Ladies. And I, I, I was just, I can't do this. Well, it takes a very self-aware and spunky personality to recognize that and decide you're going to do something different. Because how many movies and stories have you heard of, like, the one that got out? You know, that one person that went out and made something of themselves. Not that there's anything wrong if you're happy in the small town. Nope. I have have friends who did, but But, I always knew that wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. Um, 
I wanted to be a journalist. No kidding. Well, keep in mind, uh, Watergate happened yeah. when I was in seventh grade. Okay. And I was always a news junkie. Were you really? Yes. And while everybody in class around me and my peers, and we talk about history class, what's going on, and we're just like, no, no, and whatever. And I'm like, do you not understand? And as it progressed, the idea that two nobody reporters changed history yeah. was fascinating to me. It's crazy fascinating. Um, but again, I'm a product of Catholic schools. Yeah. Mid-70s. Don't be a writer. Can't be a, be a writer. An authority was a pretty... You don't question that either. Fucking parents, counselors. That's right. The nuns. The, don't know. Don't know. Go into nursing. You'll have food on the table. Yeah. You can write on the side. Right. Well, that's a good practical job for a for <laughs> yeah, a girl is. of well, that. that. That was it exactly. Yeah. It was the girl of the era. Yeah. The acceptable uh, professions were teaching, nursing. Yeah. So... I should go to school and I should be a nurse. Right, right. So I have to, I'm an overachiever. It's just the expectations yeah. of, of females of that era, for sure. Yeah. Of but, the learn your place era until people found out that your place can expand yes. far beyond and, what anybody's dreams were. And always being a rules breaker and an overachiever. Were you? Um, I uh, decided, well, nursing's not good enough. I will go to pre-med. Yeah, awesome. Which then they said science. And I went, ooh. That was not your thing. <laughs> so then I said, let's try nursing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they said... Still they, science. Well, but not as bad a science as pre-med. Okay, I got you. You know, they, they even referred to it as, you know, if you were a nursing major, you took baby bio, not real Baby bio, bio okay. <laughs> but then, one day in class, they said, today in lab, we're going to do blood analysis. Okay. And Sheila passed out cold on the floor. Oh, shit, I forgot about the blood. <laughs> Nursing may not be the best, oh, uh, no. you know, choice for me. <laughs> so, you know, okay, we'll switch ma- majors yeah. the third time. Yeah. I'm a sophomore. Three majors. Okay. Switch to business. There you go. Um, well, you've done well with that. Well, yeah, not so much. Mm. <laughs> um I'll stop interjecting and yeah, you fill um, in your own, own points. So that was St. Mary's College, which you need to understand was originally established to provide wives for the young men who went to Notre Dame when it was an all-male school. Oh, wow. Okay. Many young women there were, there were, you had to be very smart to get in, but many of them there were to get their MRS degree. Their MRS. Yes. Okay. I don't know, I don't know if they offer that anymore. I'm glad they don't. So, um, switch to business. That class was 7.30 in the morning. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah, and it wasn't what I was interested in. Yeah, that's tough motivation. So after two years, St. Mary's uh, sent me a very polite, nice letter (laughs) uh, requesting I not return for a third year. (laughs) Um, They had this whole thing, like I said, about going to class and grades. Oh, you have to show up? Yeah, apparently. Apparently. That's crap. So, here I am. How are you supposed to meet a good, respectable husband showing up to class and making good grades? Yeah. And again, this is Notre Dame. Counterintuitive. So, uh, here I'm back in my hometown. I can go back to my hometown, which I've been dying to get out of, or I can find another school. Yeah. So, Indiana. How far is Indiana? Eight hours. 
Oh, so that's a decent... Eight hours. You moved pretty far away. Sure did. Far enough that nobody can come visit me without giving me a heads up. Oh, that's a... Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Very cool. And then where'd you go? Uh, A friend in Indiana, I was going to school there, her boyfriend was going to St. Mary's here. Okay. So she said she'd go look at it. So that summer, um, I got I took my father's car with permission. Of course, yeah. Let's, okay. let's, let's, let's it. I don't know I, what the statute of limitations on stealing a car. Took is, my but. father's car, um, and uh, my younger sister, who couldn't drive, came with me, and we drove to San Antonio mm-hmm. to look at St. Mary's University. Just same name or any affiliation? Her boyfriend was going there. He liked it. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, Texas seems like a fine place okay well it's about um, 50 miles south of buffalo I and mean. uh we were actually i never even made it to st mary's really we were driving down broadway and i saw this big red brick building uh-huh and i said what's that and my sister said incarnate word college i said that looks like a nice little school yeah i saw i i i um stalked it a little bit on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and things, and I saw that that's where you got your, your degree. Yeah. So you, you stuck there. and I and transferred there, graduated on time, despite the fact that I went in with a 1.7 GPA and a lot of failed classes. Yeah. Um, graduated on time on the dean's list. Because that's when awesome. I went in, I decided to do what I wanted to do. Decided to study what I wanted to study, uh-huh. which was English literature. Mm. So I'm interested in that because that that concept is fortunately these days much more celebrated. Mm-hmm. We're we're in a day and age um, to where creativity, to where individuality, is at least more celebrated now than it was decades ago. What is it within you, do you think? I mean, because I I was not self-aware nor bright enough for that light to turn on and go, oh, I could do anything. There was just like a right way, and it was the way that I had learned it. And it took me until probably in my early 30s before I started going, oh, my God, I, I could be anybody. I could do anything. You know, I mean, there isn't a right or wrong way. There's just one life that you have. You might as well do what you want and enjoy it. And how did you learn that so early? Um, a lot of it goes. The credit goes to my parents. Nice. Who, I really hope. Um, you're gonna get me choked up. I really hope I'm as good a parent as mine were. Um. As I said, my father was very encouraging. Go out, see the world. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, between my freshman and sophomore years of high school, I was an exchange student. And my parents were like, go. Let it, let us buy you the clothes. Send us letters. Wow. It was just... They weren't fearful. No, no. Wow. Um, and I think, and it's funny, because I was talking to someone about this. Were just they yesterday. really religious? No. 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 I no. think that... I, I, it's it's ironic because um, my mother had been divorced yep. in the 50s. From, mm-hmm. She was raised in a Catholic church, but in the 50s, she got divorced. You were no longer... Yeah, yeah, that was... The whole both. thing. Yeah. And um, she married my father. So, yes, she went to church, dragged us when she could. <laughs> um, my father went for funerals and weddings. Sure, yeah. 
kind of thing. But then in his later years, donated hours and hours of time to redoing the church. Oh, and fixing wow. It. I mean, it was just, so he saw some value he, in it or something. No, my father did not see the value in a certain building. Uh-huh. He saw the value in community. Community, yeah. And being part mm-hmm. of it and helping it. Yeah. Um, There's something about it that... I mean, you can throw all the negatives about religion that you want, and I have done so. Mm-hmm. But there is something about the the core essence of bringing all kinds of different people together, and it, yeah, it's not the faith, it's not the believing, it's the organized religions that I have a problem with. Yeah, me too. Yep. Um, and and but you know, but that was the kind of parents I had. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. Kind of out and go out and do it, and um, like I said, at that point, I'd already flunked out of college yeah which when you come from a small town and there are 68 people in your graduating class wow everybody knows everything yeah so there you've got that kind of public humiliation oh yeah for you know, sure look at this she was number three in her class and she's flunked out of school yeah yeah and i'm not staying. oh for me it would have been oh yeah. see everybody knew this was coming yeah but for <laughs> me it was like you know um so i went off to another college and and decided I I love reading. I'd always loved books. I was that kind of person I'd go to, my mom was too, we'd go to the public library on Saturday and take out five, six books each and we'd be back the following Saturday. Wow. Um, now everybody loves storytelling for different reasons. I mean, I adore storytelling. That's why I'm in this industry. That's why I'm so attracted to artists. What is it about authors and books and stories and literature that you found so attractive? A well-written story is a, an enjoyable journey. Mm. It is. That's I'm one of the pe- kind of people who I will reread books I love over and over again. I know how that's going to end, yes. Yeah. It's not the ending, it's the journey. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> one of my little quirks or things is like, I like trivia. Mm-hmm. People won't pay, play Trivial Pursuit with me anymore. <laughs> you kick their ass. I, I, I just, I, <laughs> and so all this information, yeah, I absorb. Yeah. I where, what do you do with it? It it comes up comes up handy in the most unusual times. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, there's a British. Here's what. Here, there's a British tradition mm-hmm. that says that for every pearl a bride wears on her wedding day, she will cry a hundred years. Now, what is the purpose behind that saying? The, the idea was that it was over, overly ornate, because it dates back to the 1700s, so if you were showing off oh. with your such. But that's an interesting little factoid. It is. And I learned that back in high school, <laughs> reading a trash romance novel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's information and inspiration everywhere. Yes. Um, and again, I just have one of those odd minds. I, I crave information. Yeah. Always learning. Um, and I remember it. Yeah. Did you ever pursue uh, practically journalism? Yes. Tell me about that. Um, <laughs> and uh, wh- where are we at? So you you had to be 22, 23 Not when quite. you graduated? Not quite. I, let's see. I was 17 when I graduated from high school. I was weeks away from my 18th birthday. Um, and 
so yeah, I was coming up on 22, yeah. my birthday's in July, 22, 23. Yep. Um, I was living on my own here in nice. San Antonio. Paying oh, your own way at that point? Yeah. So you're working? Um, working in student loans and sure. working on campus and such, gotcha. grants and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, my dad had moved down here with my younger brother and sister. Mm-hmm. We lost my mom when I was in high school and he was uh, retired on disability. Jeez. So there was nothing keeping them back in western New York where right. everything was dying. So yeah. they kind of moved down here. Wow. Yeah, I was living in an efficiency apartment. Um, wow, that's a huge transition for your whole family. Holy cow. Yeah, it was just, that's what we, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's life. That's the way things um, work. But So, you know, I was living here, going to school. Yeah. Um, graduated from Incarnate Word. As I like to say, back when it was a college, before it grew up to be a big, bad university, <laughs> um, in 81. 81, okay, all right. And uh, got a job at Stop and Go, which was what Valero was right. before it was Diamond Shamrock, before yep. it was Stop and Go. Yeah, yeah, when and, I was a kid, we had Stop and Go's here in San Antonio. Yeah, so I was working yeah. at Stop and Go. Yeah. And I was having a great time. Were you really? I was. I was an evening manager. Was that full service? Were they full service at that time? No, I wasn't pumping gas. Okay, okay. No, but I worked the counter, and there was a bunch of young people that hang out, and I oh, had yeah, friends, yeah, yeah. and you know they'd come pick me up when I'd get off at midnight. We'd find a church parking lot and go drink beer party, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, had a great time. My father, on the other hand, was not so impressed. <laughs> um, How strange. And started leaving me... Uh, want ads out of the newspaper taped to my apartment door. Uh huh. Because I didn't go to college for four years to work at a convenience store. Yeah. So. They didn't give you a 20 cent raise? Yeah. Yeah. That's your degree. <laughs> um, so I applied for a job and got called for an interview to work on the Edinburgh Daily Review. Edinburgh? Edinburgh, Texas. Did you have to move? I moved down to the Rio Grande Valley. All right. Um, I worked in Edinburgh, Texas. Went you down went for the, from like one extreme to the U.S. to another. In the space of two years. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've done events in Edinburgh. It mm-hmm. is lovely people, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's um, and, and in the early 80s, it was even more approachable for a young female Anglo newspaper reporter. Uh-huh. Um, actually worked to my advantage quite often. Are we being ironic right now? Well, we, you know, a little bit. Okay, um, okay. Because here's the sure. thing. At the time, <laughs> when I was working, I went down for the interview. Let me uh-huh. tell you this. I went to the interview, gave me a spelling test, which I flunked, gave me a, a writing test, gave me a... It doesn't say a lot for Incarnate Words English yeah. Lit program, but um, okay. Gave me some information, said write me six paragraphs, and it took me like an hour and a half to write two of them. Okay. Were you nervous? Yeah, I was nervous. Oh, okay. I had never, you know, my journalism at that point had been the high school newspaper. Oh, and you were coming from creating party and poetry and, yeah. and such like I had as an English lit major was nothing like, you know, this. Ah, uh, yes. Um, okay, okay. So. So you were trying to be artsy. Yeah, well, my degree is technically double major in English literature and communication arts. Oh, wow. Okay. And up until a few years ago, I thought I had a minor in speech and drama. Because I had enough credits for it. I just never filed it part of the lesson plan. I know I had enough credits because I liked hanging out with a theater crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just took all those classes as yeah. electives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, he, and the owner, publisher, a guy named Jim Mathis, who's long gone, 
great guy hired me and took a shot on me and said, you know, one of your biggest strengths is the fact you know you can't spell, so you don't, mm-hmm. you know, you question everything you write, so you double check. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, That's an interesting thing to use to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like little, we'll call it quirks. Is that okay? That's mm-hmm. a funny little quirk. Instead of hiding from it, yep. you just kept going. And now I'm a great speller, but... Um, Real quick, yeah. are you comfortable? I'm fine. Okay, you're I good. I just, I'm... You, if you're... If you, you I'm not pacing. I'm, okay, okay. I'm not pacing. I'm just making no, sure. <laughs> okay, good uh, So yeah, I worked there for three years. Um, covered city government, county government. Broke some stories that won statewide Associated Press Awards. Wow. Um, much of it happened because it was all being run by middle-aged and older male Hispanic authority figures. That's uh-huh. who the city council was and the okay. sheriff. And, you know, the sheriff that I worked with for years there that I dealt with, after I moved away, went to prison. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. So Big it, corruption. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, so they had, like, a little, their own little thing going. Right. South Texas politics was, you know, in the 80s, it was really bad. Yeah. And what was I going to do? I was this sweet, young, little female reporter. Yeah. They'd talk to me. They'd tell me anything. I Uh was no threat. Uh Uh-huh. And I, I developed a saying then that I still maintain. I will be more than happy to play their game. Uh huh. By my rules. What did that mean to you? That means if they think they're doing what they need to do or they're getting something over me and that's what they need to think, that is fine. Yeah. I'm going to do the job and get the info that I need to do. So you were okay being, um, uh, what's the word, under, you know, when people look at you. Undercover? Not really, because not I, I, I never. Just like under-perceived or yeah, under... Yeah, I mean... If pers- the word escapes me, but yeah, you know if, what I mean? Yeah, you know, if someone wants to underestimate... Underestimated. I, yeah, what I can do or... Yes. You know. Heck, I, I play that card all the time. Do you? Uh, I played it recently when I bought a new car. Because the sales, the, the salesman started doing this whole... And this is where we're getting... Oh, no, you're not. No, no, you're going to be this and this and this. Yeah. No, no, you can't. I said, and I finally literally told him and said, listen... You're doing your job, and I get it. Said, what you need to understand, and what your boss in there needs to understand, is that this is not my first rodeo. And because I'm an older <laughs> woman sitting here by myself does not mean you are going to get anything over on me. Uh-huh. That's so good. this is what I am going to pay, and yeah. this is what you're going to give me for the trade-in, or you're going to give me my keys, and I'm going to go home. Yeah. Pays to be smart. That's good. Well, so where do you go from Edinburgh, and when do you leave? How long were you there? I was there three years. Spent two years and 11 months doing my darndest to get out of there. Oh, did you really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it wasn't a fun three years. You just... I had fun. It was, and it was an adventure. Um, But again, as you mentioned, I had gone from western New York to San Antonio to south Texas in the space of two years. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to be a big famous reporter, and I was going to happen on a newspaper in Edinburgh. Yeah, in a town of under 10,000 people. Yeah. So um, I eventually got a job as a copywriter. Copy editor, rather, on the Express News. Um, work the overnight shift. Interesting people work. I would imagine. Overnight shift. Third shift people are usually on. Yeah. And because they all re- they requested it, I just this you're, you're hiring that I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. 
yeah, there were guys there who had worked it for decades and yeah. loved it. Sure, yeah. Um, um, I just never adjusted. Some but, pretty isolated type yeah. people. But then I started from there. I mean, I'm in my mid-20s. I have no responsibilities. Yeah. So I just, I would work someplace for a year, year and a half. I'd get bored and I'd find another job. Else. Nice. And when I say I'd find another job, I mean I moved from Edinburgh to San Antonio, stayed here for a year and a half, moved to... Vernon Valley, New Jersey. Holy cow. Okay. Which is right on the New York State border. Right. And started a weekly paper there for a company. And then okay. I moved to Ocean City, Maryland. I worked there for a few years. Okay. Um, came back to San Antonio and worked on a paper out in Universal City for a while. And I would just pick up and and when I got laid off between newspaper jobs and I got really tired of that happening um, I'd go crash with my brother or my sister my brother lived in Ohio my younger sister lived here so you just played for a few years it sounds like um, you were having fun I was moving up the chain when you're a was young, it? Okay. when you're a young newspaper reporter yeah yeah you kind of have to move so this was strategic and this wasn't just meh, I'm... no it was strategic but it was also um, yeah, it's time. I'm, I'm restless. Yeah. And you're traveling and you're yeah. seeing different things mm-hmm. and experiencing different things. What mm-hmm. cool life. That's a, that's a wonderful way to spend your 20s. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So when did you settle here? I was, I was between jobs. Came to crash on my sister's sofa. She was living down here. And um, unexpectedly found myself preparing to become a single parent. Aha. Uh-huh. Were you uh, were you in a serious relationship before that, or this was just one of those moments? Yeah, all right. So you got that news so, and um, went through all that process. Decided that uh, I needed support. Sure. I have a younger sister here, an older sister that lives in the area. Oh, that's... So, yeah, so here is, you stay. This is where I stay. Yeah. And now I have stayed in San Antonio, that was 91 when I moved back. Yeah. Um, I've lived in San Antonio longer than I've lived in any city. I have lived in my current apartment, not complex, apartment, longer than I've lived in any city my entire life. Oh, wow. So that's that's home. Well, are you comfortable bragging on your kiddo just a little bit oh always okay always tell me tell my me. mini me you know my mini me i'm I sure have... you've met her uh, who's your mini me hannah dunn worked for at the mcnay for a long time doing weddings she's always at the shows i i started working for the wedding guide uh-huh the day she started kindergarten oh so she's grown up in the events industry the yep. wedding industry and that's what she's done yeah she's uh she worked at the mcnay yeah for God, almost two years, um, and uh, now works at Marriott Reservation Center in Elite Care. Nice. So she's done well. Mm-hmm. Hasn't fallen too far from the tree as far as industry. I tried. I tried. And... I really tried. She went into business, uh-huh. and I was like accounting, finance, and she's like, no, no, marketing, like you do. No, anything but marketing, accounting, finance, money, make money, (laughs) make money. (laughs) Because again, when I ended up here and staying here with her, it was between jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, 
was I worked I worked at Sears Catalog Center for holiday season and mm-hmm. got hired on after that. Nice. Um, yeah, I worked the overnight shift. Interesting people call Sears Catalog overnight. <laughs> um, I never tried that. Yeah, it was. Mm, anyway, that, that, that's not for recording. That's, that's okay. sometimes when All we're right. having we'll margaritas or something. About that another time. Um, <laughs> and then um, had a couple other jobs. I wrote sales trading manuals for IBM on how to sell routers and switches. Mm. Yeah, that was mind-numbing. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, and then one night, there's a little ad in the Express News. It says, looking for a magazine editor. And uh, I had just left the job writing the mind-numbing manuals. Hmm. So uh, my sister had her, a home office, so I said, hey, you've got my resume. Fax it over. That tells you how long ago it was. Yeah. Fax my resume over. <laughs> um, and Bob, Bob Loman, owner of Wedding Guide and Royal Extravaganza, that was a Sunday. He called me Monday. I interviewed Tuesday, Wednesday. He asked, called and asked if I could start on Thursday. Oh, wow. He said, can I have Monday? I, I need till Monday. Yeah. He was, he was ready. Um, yeah. He was hungry. Um, you, he was looking for expand. some inch. Yeah, it's a inch. That and, you know, you, we talked earlier about talking about how to help artists become entrepreneurs. Yeah. And that kind of fits into that. And that he was at a point that every business gets to several times over the life of the business. That he was either going to grow or he was going to stagnate and die. Mm-hmm. So he had started the wedding guide. He was doing the layout and all the graphics and all that. And his real passion is selling. Yes. So it's either I devote the time I need to do to do what I do well and hire someone to do what I don't do well. Yep. So you, you get to that point. You have to either move forward or you, you don't. You stagnate. Yep. Um, and I tell people it's really funny because he interviewed me. and I mean, the magazine part, I had no problems with that. I, that you know, I've been doing journalism for 15 years. I lay out and everything, you know, everything else. But then he says, and uh, I need someone to, to buy my radio advertising and stuff. So can you do that? And um, I was a single mom with a small child that needed the job. Sure. So I lied through my teeth and said that if I could. <laughs> well, but surely with all of your marketing background, you'd learn I had to I hadn't done marketing. I well, had done marketing. I had taken You've one marketing in college. Oh. In college. That I think I got a B in. Yeah, I, I had yeah. just I had always been on the editorial side I of gotcha. newspapers. Yeah, I was aware of sales, of small yeah. papers. You knew they were going on. Yeah, um, but no, no, I was. Well, but like any good sales yeah. girl, you went hell yeah, I can do that. That's yeah. my specialty. And I found the best use of one of my true God-given talents. Uh huh. That is, I am the queen of BS. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Marketing is about the spin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about not lying, but finding what features, parts of whatever it is you are selling. Whether it's a product, a service, tangible or whatever, is going to appeal to your audience in highlighting those. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes it does mean highlighting things that you wouldn't think are positives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes, you know, it is, good marketers will tell you their other motto is if you can't dazzle with brilliance, you know, baffle with bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go, extravaganza, rather mm-hmm. extravaganza. Mm-hmm. If the aisles are packed, I am going to have someone come up to me and complain about the fact that it, it's just so crowded nobody can talk to anybody. Okay. But isn't it great you're getting all this exposure and new business? <laughs> yeah. Flip it. Kind of a damned if you do. Fl- flip it. Yeah. The show opens, and that first hour is not as busy as it used to be 10, 15 years ago. Sure. Our yeah. brides think do things differently. Show's so slow, there's nobody here. Isn't that great? You get to spend time talking to the people who are here. Okay, sure. Yeah. It, it's kind of... Well, there's pros and cons on both sides. And it's... Marketing is the idea, in my opinion, of bringing out the positives. Yeah. Confidently. Yeah. yeah. And, and truly, and a lot of times, it's not... You're not lying. It's just people haven't thought about it. And maybe that's why I do well uh-huh. is... Because I have that kind of slightly off mind. Uh, well, I'm, and, and neither, or I guess both sides are beneficial to your client. It's not like you're going, well, I'm going to sell you something that's not as beneficial to you. Right. Because they both are. You've just got to recognize, here's the circumstances. How do I take the most advantage of it? And I'm trying, my thing is to say, yeah, exactly. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. This is how to look at it. Mm-hmm. You can be an optimist or a pessimist. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're going to bitch about it on one side and the other, yeah, uh, how about I make it my job to help you have a paradigm shift? And you go, know, it, it's... Let's take advantage, yeah. I, you're never going to please everyone. Well, that's the truth, yeah. But, so Bob hired me. As I said, Hannah started kindergarten the day I started working for Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the, and because this is kind of where you settled for, for quite a while, mm-hmm. obviously, what was the business at that point? The business at that point is the San Antonio Wedding Guide mm-hmm. was on issue number, he had just done issue number 17. And to give perspective on that, where are you at right now? Um, before we converted to the new format, new numbering, we would have been, the last San Antonio separate issue I did was issue 55. Wow. And one a year, right? Two. Two a year. Okay. Two a year in each city. We did San Antonio and Austin. Um, The magazine was the digest size, and it was 128 pages. We had about 70 exhibitors at the show. Mm -hmm. And when we had 70, 75, we were like, woohoo. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, 300 brides. Hey. So was there... Bigger competition around at the time? Um, wedding Care was the bigger show. Okay, okay. Yeah. So and, it's... and Wedding Pages. At that time, it was still, yeah, Wedding Pages. Todd hadn't broken off yet, I don't think, yet. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's a same player's completely different playing field. And then, what was it, and this is a big question, so you answer this and take it wherever you want, but what is it that has kept you... Somebody who's obviously very needing stimulation. What is it that's kept you here for so long? Because it's always changing. Ah. Uh. Um, 
I got to give a shout out to Bob. Um, I, Bob Loman, like I said, the owner, because he was looking to grow and wasn't afraid um, to try whatever. Yeah, I mean, within reason. Sure, so of it's always kind of been instead of a um, down kind of experience, it's always been kind of a why can't we do that? Mm. And he and I work very well together in that um, for a lot of years we used to say he was, you know, kind of the Captain Picard and I was number one because it would be like he would say, I want to do this, and then I would go, okay, and make it happen. Wow. That's a very synergistic relationship. Um, How did, uh, you just clicked? You just understood each I, other? I, I, you know, I don't know. And don't get me wrong, there have been times when it's been, because I'm a very, you know, strong believer in what I believe and what I do. And I think part of it, too, is for me, is that I have a great, um, I don't have great self-esteem. Huh? Mm. Surprising. Mm. <laughs> but I get a lot of my feedback from what I do. Mm-hmm. When the magazine comes out and people tell me they love it, that means a lot to me. That feels great. I am um, very big on pride in production. Mm-hmm. I take great pride in putting out, you know, I, you've heard me say it at the shows, if we don't have booths, that's the salespeople's fault. If we don't have brides, that's my fault. Mm. Okay. Um, and I think I do okay. And so it's very important to me. Oh, absolutely. To do it well. And that's the challenge. Yeah. And since it is so flexible, it's not like building bridges or science or engineering where it's got to be, you know, precise. It's not manual to do it a certain way. You know, you know what you have to do. You know where it goes. A lot of it is gut instinct. A lot of it is just keeping up and doing a lot of reading, which I've always loved to do. Mm. Um, I love trivia. I mm-hmm. remember facts, mm-hmm. which also helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, and you've never, I mean, and I don't know you intimately, mm-hmm. so please forgive me yeah. for assuming, but you've never struck me as the kind of person that's just like, uh, well, this is just who we are and this is the way we're going to do it ad nauseum forever. Uh, oh, no. You know, no. because you talk about stagnate and die. You yeah. mentioned that earlier. That's mm-hmm. And how many times... Have we seen that in this yeah. industry? Even just since I've been around, you know, uh, you see people come in, and I remember people who I looked up to when we were first getting into it, who would kind of, you know, scruff us on the head and mm-hmm. and go back to the old boys club, uh, yeah. and and hardly any of those people are around anymore. Back when I worked in Maryland on the newspaper, we had a house ad, um, and I was thinking about it, thinking about doing this today, and it said um, the local businessman. When business was good, he didn't need to advertise. Mm-hmm. And when his business was bad, he said he couldn't afford to advertise. And now we can't remember what the name of his business was. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think, especially in our industry, mm-hmm. uh, I think an even bigger stumbling block for mm-hmm. a lot of them mm-hmm. is, um, as you mentioned before, artists. Uh, my mind, there's two kinds of people who start a company. Okay. Who go into business for themselves. Okay. One is the financial kind of side who says, hey, this is a great business. Hey, this is going to be up and coming. 
hey, this is going to put me in a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. There's the other who does it because it's something they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. They understand that they're not going to be able to be happy under someone else's command. Mm-hmm. Um, they think differently. Uh, I Often what I have found is when you, when I talk and get to know people mm-hmm. is that they were not, did not do well in school. They were not, mm-hmm. they were square pegs and round holes. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I relate to that because Hannah was like that. Yeah. Hannah learned differently mm-hmm. than other people. I mean, yeah. I think that's a problem with our school system, but that's a whole nother discussion. That is another bike. Um, yeah. I will just say, I think the biggest problem is that we take kids who are 17 and say, what do you want to be for the rest of your life? Yeah. Now go to college. Yeah. <laughs> um, now go commit and invest a bunch of money. When you go in, but, but what happens is, is when you go into and start a business doing something you love because you love it, the first hurdle they face, you know, the other business person will face, do I add people, do I grow bigger, whatever. And our artists will face that also. But before then, they're going to face, and I would say this is the biggest realization that I think any creative person contemplating going into business for themselves doing what they love is to remember it's a business most of the times in my experience where I have seen them fail is Sue goes into business making pies because she loves making pies she's passionate about making pies but then Sue goes into business and no longer has time to make the pie she's passionate about because she's got to pay the taxes and she's got to hire the staff and she's got to do this and you've got to do that to run the business. Yeah. So you get further away from doing what you actually love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I have my theories on this, but, uh, and, and I'll just tell you and you can correct me because you, you probably know better, but... I oversimplifying this, I think you're right. There's the practical businessman or woman, and then there's the passionate artist slash entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit. Um, and and dealing with the the artist slash entrepreneurial spirit, I do feel like there are people who could go in the route that you did and go, hey, I'm really good at so many different things, and I need to find a, some sort of partner who's really good at all the other things, you know, that I don't mm-hmm. enjoy doing, which is exactly what you said Bob did. And so there's kind of like this uh, marriage of convenience within a business that goes, hey, we're as long as we're both doing what we're good at, we're both winning. Right. Right? Um, versus, so I guess, it, and versus the other person who goes, no, I'm totally happy being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, the product is not my end all. I, I could be selling I'm pies selling widgets. or I could be I could selling whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, but you have, in my opinion, you should make that decision before you go get your LLC. Oh, absolutely. Are you building a business or are you wanting to sell or are you wanting to to create the product? Because if you just want to create the product, that's a wonderful gifting in the first place. Go find somebody who wants to create a business and sell it. Right. Is that fair or is that total oversimplification? I think that is the biggest thing. Somebody, if I could, and again... I hate the phrase, it's the easiest one to explain it, millennials. And we're talking, you know, 
because millennials, the older end of millennials, are who is creating the business mm-hmm. businesses now. Um, but if and I have a dog, I'm not one, but I feel like one internally. I have one at home in of captivity course. until she pays her student loans, you know. <laughs> um, and I think that's the biggest thing. If I could shake them and make them realize that before you take that step of quitting your job, whatever, to go be fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Baker, florist, photographer, videographer, whatever. That's what I'm saying. Sit down and realize who's going... And, and think about who's going to collect the money, who's going to send the invoices, who's going to pay the taxes, how many businesses we've seen in the last couple of years closed down because they didn't pay their taxes. So many big ones. Yeah. For us. In this and, and, I mean, people yeah. who've been in the industry for a long time, yeah. um, who's going to pay the taxes? Who's going to do the marketing? What are you going to do? Uh, and those are legitimate things you have to think about first. Otherwise, you are going to find yourself in a position of wanting to do whatever it is you love, but not being able to pay anything. Yeah. Or being so overwhelmed. Um, I mean, I do great. I, I'm okay with accounting and numbers and stuff, whatever. Uh, but... You know, someone else I know, it would take her hours and upon hours to do a basic income tax. Mm-hmm. It's not her thing. Sure. So recognize your strengths, but know that even if it's not your strength, you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's a lot of resources, free resources. Fortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and again, you got to think about where it's going to be. you got to have the plan. It, it's, I don't have... I have the creative mind. Mm-hmm. I don't have the talent. Mm-hmm. What I see in my mind, mm-hmm. I've tried uh, painting, whatever. Me too. Yeah. I, I can't make it come out. Yeah. Uh, that's why we have a graphics company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you and me, we can sit on the sidelines and admire. But I can make the business run. Right. And you need to think about that. The other thing I think these type of professionals, entrepreneurial professionals, artists don't do is value their own time enough. Mm-hmm. Bob hired me because his thing is sales. Right. Not laying out a magazine. Right. So what is a better use of his time? Doing the sales and bringing in more money and then paying someone whose thing is doing the magazine mm-hmm. and I think new business owners professionals it's too easy to say um, yeah I've got these 500 postcards that are gonna have to be mailed out but I'll sit or these letters I'm gonna mail out so I'll sit here and stuff them and I'll whatever and whatever yeah no that's not what your job is you need to be selling or doing and, and at the first, when you first start a business, you do. You do it all. Right. But it's that recognizing at some point when you have... It's, it's better to hire outside help than it is to do it yourself. That is a... Um, that's a hard lesson to learn. First off, I don't think it's... I think I've met very few entrepreneurs who are good at delegating. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, I think it takes a, it takes a pretty experienced entrepreneur to even realize they need to. Because we all think, well, a lot of, I don't want to overgeneralize, but a lot of people go into this as thinking they're a solopreneur and they're going to stay that way because right. they're a product-driven person and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so everything else is just a means to an end. Everything else is just a means to, to do more of what they're good at. Um, and it takes such a different mindset to go, now I manage people. And what a, I mean, you have to, like you just said, you have to realize that it's a business. Mm -hmm. And when you hire somebody, you have to realize that you're a manager. Right. To do it well. Otherwise, you get your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, just mm -hmm. a friend that's a girl or boy. That's what I mean. Uh, you know, just somebody who, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to stay up all night and drink wine and do these fun things right. together. And eventually, you're going to find yourself without a friend because there's going to be weirdness. Right. It's money. It's business. They're not going to represent you the way you want them to and mm -hmm. so on and so on. And, I mean, how many people, again, how many people have gone through that and learned the hard way and become hardened to it and realized some people come out on the other side and go, oh, well, I have to learn how to manage properly. Most people come out on the other side of that and go, well, screw that. I'm never going to hire anybody again. I think part of it is, again, realizing going in, but you don't have to jump from doing it yourself and getting your friends to help to hiring people. And I think mm. that's a place mm -hmm. that... Entrepreneurs. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Right, because um, it's better to hire a bookkeeper or an accountant and make sure your taxes and stuff are done right. Yes, I realize that two, three thousand dollar hit seems like, Whoa, never mind, right. I can do that myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't. It's mm -hmm. going to take you more time. Mm -hmm. You're not know if it's going to be right. Mm -hmm. Um over the years, the number of advertisers who said, no, 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 I'll just do my own ad. Why? Mm -hmm. I'll make you a deal. When my daughter gets married, I won't take my cell phone and think I can take great wedding photos. <laughs> yeah. If you don't think you know everything about designing an ad and everything to do. Sure. And that's kind of the thing. That That's not, and I mean, photographers is not... The, you know what I mean? It's, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, and so it's being realistic about when is it better to do it myself and when is it better to pay someone. I, I know Photoshop. I can create the ads in the magazine. But what takes me eight hours, mm -hmm. I can pay this graphics company that we use $100 or $150 or two. Whatever. What's a better yeah. use of my time? For sure. Yeah. Um, I used to offer marketing consultant side services, you know, outside of the wedding guide. Yeah. And that was the thing I ran into a lot was, oh my God, that's a lot of money. And, that's, and marketing is always hard. Major corporations cutting back marketing is first department first always because it's the only department you cannot clearly equate a return on investment. Yep, always. Outside salespeople, always the first like, well, yeah. we're paying you all this. Yeah. So Nothing so. we say, nothing you do, we can actually prove resulted right. in this many sales. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, is always... It's always such bullshit because where are those seeds getting planted in the first place? You know, that irritates the heck it's, out of me. But, you know, we have a, a 
But I get it. Yeah, we have a new web team. Yeah, you know, we have a new website. I know. Last year. That's awesome. Uh, and and Carrie Kelly, the guy who runs it, we were talking about it one day because that monitors now the site internally. We monitor ticket sales real time. Cool. Mm-hmm. And you can see, I can tell you exactly. He can tell me exactly when every different media form I've purchased hits. Wow. Cool. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, people say radio. Our, our radio doesn't work anymore. Nobody listens to the radio. And I disagree. Because you have hard numbers. I have some. I also have a gut feeling. I have a belief that our demo, 18 to 35, just out of college and that, is listening to the radio. Mm. Because they're not buying new cars that are satellite equipped. And until cars that are satellite equipped make it in mass to the second and third hand market, mm-hmm. they won't be. And even then, I'm not sure how quick they'll adapt because they're paying student loans. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pay satellite music fees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thought process. Yeah, I get it. So, and I can see we run radio a week out before the show. Mm-hmm. And I can see the tickets spike. Nice. Um, and it's an understanding that radio... For us, it doesn't do what we used to use it for. Of course, yeah. It's not nearly the... Well, radio, when I started working for Bob, our radio spots were intended to educate the listeners. This is a bridal show coming, and this is why you should be there. Mm -hmm. It's become, radio has now become the last touch point for them to say, they know about it. They've heard it, they've seen it online, they've seen it everywhere. Now it's, oh yeah, I gotta get my tickets. One more push. It's this weekend. I gotta get my tickets. Well, that's the way we talk about marketing is is it's layers. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 stumble on our website. They pick up our brochures from a venue. Uh, they see us in the magazine. They pass by our booth at the show, and eventually, when they're ready, mm-hmm. when it comes time, they go. I'm ready to hire a planner. I'm ready to hire a photographer. We are on their minds because yep. there's been enough layers you, in front of them multiple to go. touches. Yeah. And I think a lot of new entrepreneurs don't realize that marketing and advertising is one of those areas that you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Classic example. Uh, there's a photographer in Austin. Mm-hmm. was a client of ours for many years. Decided you know, not to renew, not to do the shows. Not to, that's fine. Yeah, so, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, a few years ago, that was about five years ago, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, we started coming to the show, just attending it, and stopped by the booth, say, hey, how huh. are you, that, and uh, he, he was venting to me, he's like, these, these couples, they just don't want to spend any money on photography, Yeah. because they don't want to spend, lot. and I'm going, well, where are you advertising? Um, and he said, well, Craigslist. Oh, <laughs> oh come on. Okay, dude. so if you're advertising on Craigslist. Yeah. You're going to get Craigslist choppers. Right. Yeah. And it's... Well, it's one thing. I think there's I think there's something to be said for, and I've seen success with this with people who are trying to become that elusive, exclusive brand. Mm-hmm. The one name, one man, one woman band. And sure, if you're charging enough to where you only have to do 10, 12 weddings a year, and that's your demographic, good for you. I mean, but for me, I need more of a I need it to be more of a numbers game I need to be in front of 
X amount of thousand people so that I can sign X amount of hundred. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm in front of X amount of hundred and I only sign X amount of 10, I'm gone. You know, yeah. and so I have to have Another that. photographer in San Antonio said to me one time because um, I'm aware of what some people in the market here, in the industry here think of our show. You know, I, I know the phrase cattle call of bridal shows. Oh, okay, it's sure. It's used and whatever. Yeah. Um, but as a different photographer told me, he said, you know what? He said, you guys may get the Walmart brides. He said, excuse me, language was, Walmart's the biggest damn company in the world. I'll take them. Yeah. Well, A, you don't have to watch your language here. Mm -hmm. And B, I, two things. I agree with you um, that the numbers matter. I disagree, and, and this is just me because I've heard it mm -hmm. on both sides, but I've been to both shows. Right. And I've done them numerous, right. numerous times. Um, and because of budget, I was faced to choosing only one show. And I chose y'all's. For two reasons, uh, and not, I won't say anything about the other show, we'll mm -hmm. just talk about yours because uh, I have a lot of reasons why I like that other show, but the reason I chose yours is because, um, A, I think the same people go to the same show. Mm -hmm. I think it's crap that yes, high-end brides go over here and Walmart there's, brides go yeah, over there. Yeah, there's no such thing as high-end brides. That's such crap. Second, um, the culture of your show, and this is what I tell other people who ask me, the culture of your show is built such that these couples come in to serious shop and they come in to buy. They're prepared. They've looked at the advertisers. They know who they're mm -hmm. going to visit. They know what they're shopping for. Um, and I find that very attractive because when I, as an advertiser, when I am behind the booth and I'm talking to these people coming up, a lot of times they know who we are. They've looked at our website. They've seen us at other places, and they're just going, hey, it's between you and one other person. I really, I didn't have time to set a consultation. I really just kind of wanted to connect with and you that's guys. that's how they do it. And, and good. I'm glad you're here because uh, I think we've made our decision. Let's just go. The, the general process, based on research from other places that I've read, is that it starts with, first of all, print's not dead. Mm. Okay? Print is not dead. General information print is a problem but for our demo um, for our couples that is the largest single group of hard copy magazine readers mm, okay but here's the thing they're niche readers mm -hmm. it's niche publications mm -hmm. if they're into gaming they read gaming magazines if That's they're right. hunters they read hunting magazines and yeah. when they're getting married mm -hmm. they read wedding magazines mm -hmm. and wedding magazines or, or magazine advertisements in general spur more web searches than any other source. Is that right? According to the uh, Magazine Publishers Association. Mm -hmm. Number one driver of website searches. Mm. So, magazine, then they go to the web. Mm -hmm. And our couples, this they will. They will spend eons researching people online. Which is different from what I understand. Than it used to be. Than it used to be. Absolutely. But it also but, provides a much more educated client. That's right. Which I but like they will not make a decision, for the most part. A couple of years ago, bridal show producers across the country, in U.S. and Canada, joined for a survey. Mm -hmm. And what we found, we all submitted brides lists, so it was all, you know, thousands and thousands, is just under 
will not book a wedding professional before meeting them face to face. Which I, if if I was telling my little sister how to do it, I'd tell her not to book sight unseen. So it's it's the, all of them. But fourteen or twelve years ago, when we first started, and then we got a little momentum a mm-hmm. few years in, I would have people book us over the phone. I'd have people come in without meeting, without having long conversations, who practically sold themselves and booked within yep. minutes of our consultation. That doesn't happen as much no. anymore. Now, A, we're higher priced than we used to be. We're not brand new like we used to be. Right. Um, but I don't... Th- those are the only things I can kind of attribute to ourselves. I think... I think we're just dealing with a different clientele. It's a, it's a whole entirely different And I get clientele. clients who come in with this list of questions. And not the what Google what to ask your wedding professional. No, here's crap. the thing. is that I have always maintained as editor of the magazine. I learned very quickly that from my advertisers, my clients, who pay my salary. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, the one thing you want is an educated bride. Yeah. That's why I have totally. always focused on these are the things to know. These are the questions to ask. Yes, we include the other stuff, but that, that's been our wheelhouse. Yeah. Has been that. Um, so knowing that, years ago, that's what they did. They had magazines. Yeah, sure. That's what they, would, that's what they had to look at. Magazines and books yeah. and their friends who had gotten married. Right. Those were their influencers. With the rise of the internet, they are very much more wary. They've heard horror stories from around the world. And think about it. Before the internet, if a company in Austin closed down suddenly and left brides high and dry, odds are nobody else outside of Austin will hear about it. Right. But those stories make national news. That's right. So they all have heard horror stories about... Mm-hmm getting struck so they're doing their homework yeah it's just like that's a good point the whole fear of child abductions you know stranger danger and right. such when very very few actually happen but they're so broadcast hopefully it'll make it fewer but these couples come in and they have questions and they are worried and they've read reviews yeah and they've yep. talked to people who aren't necessarily their friends and influence you yep. know and got other input so they're definitely much more wary the other thing I tell professionals to keep in mind is they're also much more price conscious and not so much price as value. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah. I appreciate that difference. Because yeah. um, they grew up, <laughs> if they're 20 now, 25 now, basically all the lives that they've remembered have been during the recession. Yeah. So, I I just a few weeks back released a a podcast. It was just me, and it was on guiding people to find the right vendors for their event. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your take on it. Don't don't tell anybody publicly unless you like it. <laughs> what your take on it is? But one of the things that I after we got into um, coordinating six, seven years ago, and one of the things, since I started shopping within the industry for my clients, Mm -hmm. I became a huge proponent of the sales experience that I find very often is definitely lacking. 
um, within the businesses in our industry. And the people who are doing well are usually the people who are doing the sales experience well. I mean, that's like a duh correlation, right? You'd think. Mm-hmm. But I, I find, and I'll give you an example, I recently reached out because a, a bride had a, one of my brides had a um, direct referral, a friend, reach out to this hair and makeup artist, um, which I did. I did some research on her. Uh, couldn't find a lot of information. Um, I assumed she was young and new, which great, mm-hmm. fine. Um, got pricing from her. She was higher than anybody else that I checked with. Tried to poke around a little bit on, you know, why, mm-hmm. where, where are we coming up with that without being trying to right. be disrespectful. Got nothing except for, hey, how does this sound? Are you ready to book? You know, and this is all through Facebook too. There wasn't like a mm-hmm. an email follow up, a quotation, a, a phone call, a self aware any move that said she was self aware enough to go. Hey, let me sell my value a little bit, right? Um, and it's so because now, she's the first. Earlier we were talking about the professional artist. Yeah, she's going and she's doing this because she loves doing it. I'm sure she has yeah. no clue about how to do the business side. And I'm sure she's wonderful. But I'm, I'm, not I'm sure she go does. I'm sure she is. <laughs> exactly. But that's the problem. And, you know, instead of saying, looking at what a business is or how to do it, that I'm sorry, you know, Facebook, we're going to do it on Facebook, and that, that's everything. Yeah. Hang on. But to be fair, you have the flip side of that too, in that I run into this, you know, among our more seasoned professionals okay and I tell them you have to remember that in many cases these couples are the age of our children yeah but they're not our children that's right um, I overheard at a show a florist telling a potential bride going listen I know you think you don't want it but trust me you're gonna want it so I'll just add it into the quote oh no because <laughs> she knows better than the client yeah yeah. And for our more seasoned professionals, again, you're right. This is this demo. These couples now are different than five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, um, and the age group is. And it's hard because we're different than we were five years, ten years ago, twenty years ago. And it's very, it's very difficult to look at somebody your kid's age and have that same mm-hmm. mutual respect. But you, you better. Well, and you were mentioning the the sales experience, Mm -hmm. and that's the key word for this group of consumers, is the experience. So, here's my soapbox on this. Tell me. Most of our couples we're trying to sell to right now Mm -hmm. are the tail end of the millennials. They were born in the early 90s, such. Um, In the 80s, I graduated from college in 81. Okay. My peers started getting married and having these children. And the whole concept of that era was greed is good. That's right. Mm-hmm. Got to make the most money. Mm-hmm. And women can have it all. Mm-hmm. So both parents went to work full time mm-hmm. to have the biggest house and the nicest cars and the most 
adventures and, and you know whatever mm-hmm. kids were scheduled in every club every activities you had the nannies and they're doing them mm-hmm. so what happened was and along there we needed to worry about their self-esteem mm. everybody had to get a participation trophy okay yeah Right? Everybody got a certificate. Yeah. There was even a brief time when Hannah was in school that they weren't allowed to grade each other's paper in red ink because that was damaging to self-esteem. Oh, sure. I still see I still see that as a psychological okay. thing. Yeah. So we raised this generation mm-hmm. who, they don't care about things. They had things. Mm-hmm. What they didn't have was their parents mm. and true experiences. Okay. They don't care about having it all. Mm-hmm. They want enough. Mm-hmm. That's where you get the whole rise of the tiny house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to work so I can basically support my travel or hiking or whatever. Yeah. It's all about the experience. Interesting, yeah. Um, it's not about acquisition. It's about access. Mm-hmm. And because, again, in the 80s and early 90s, it was everybody had to have the same thing. It was the designer jeans and... You were judged by what you had and didn't have. Yes, it still happens, but it was very... It's much more prevalent, for sure. Um, that was when it was first prevalent. Mm-hmm. I don't remember going through it in school in the 70s. Okay. Label conscious and yeah. such. It's not so important. It, it's like every generation kind of wants to undo what their parents did. Sure. Mm-hmm. So these couples, they've grown up in the recession. They're in debt. Mm-hmm. That's all they've heard is that they're in debt. Whether they are or not, they've heard they're in debt. Yeah. And their financial future is bleak. Mm -hmm. And they don't want a bunch of stuff. They want what's important to them. That's right. So everything has to be an experience. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's my soapbox. That's That's huge. That's why people, oh my God, these kids, these millennials. It's like, what do you want? We created them. Yeah. Uh, well, not only that, but you can bitch about them, but that doesn't change it. Uh, and I don't know why you would. They're your target demographic. You know, so and it is. I don't care how you want to do business. Amongst people has somehow become like a a negative a negative thing. When what? A whole group of people? They're all negative. No, you just don't know how to relate to them and sell to them. <laughs> that's and, and, and that's that. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um. But. Again, it's that whole idea of, well, I've been doing this for years, and it's worked for years, so this should still work the way I do business. And I don't care how you want to sell to them. That's right, yeah. What's important is how they want to buy. Well, if I had a dollar for every time, when I look back now, and remember the conversations from the, the veterans of this industry telling me about the heyday you know, and that means something different to everybody, mm-hmm. right? About the heyday of this industry. I can tell you, when I start hearing that from somebody, in my mind, you are now a ticking clock going downhill. If you, you because the new person coming into this mm-hmm. industry now doesn't have a heyday, they're just going, how do I do? How do I sell? How do I, how do I, you know, uh, manipulate my business in order to be attractive to my target demographic and sell, and then suddenly they're creating their own heyday. Mm-hmm. The heyday can be now. And yeah. so if you're always, you know, it's very cliche now, if you're only looking back. And if, if you're not open to change, yeah, it's like, oh my goodness, if I wasn't open to change and we, we wouldn't have the bridal extravaganza, mm-hmm. would not have a digital 
ad campaign. We'd still be in the newspapers. We'd mm-hmm. still be. You have to evaluate and change. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what my comfort zone is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's. I just have to learn and deal with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two quick things, mm-hmm. and then we'll wrap this mm-hmm. up. I want to. Uh, I want to do a role playing game with you here. Okay. I'm going to be a brand new entrepreneur to be mm-hmm. and ask questions and you give me advice to help me get through it. Okay. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't done any preparation for this, so I'm I'm just gonna try to Just don't ask me to make a sale. No, I won't I won't make you sell anything. I I, that, that, that's anything. the fun. I mean because I do great pre sales, but that's my You don't close I, the deal. I, I I have a hard time asking for that final signature and check. You know what I'm you know what I'm really looking for from this is I, I'm looking to create something to where hopefully we'll we'll ask and maybe you can mm-hmm. even kind of help me um, ask the right questions that a new entrepreneur should okay. ask. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna make this very relatable to me. Say I'm starting a company in the events industry. I wanna offer photography, I wanna offer planning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, so that I can make it relatable to me. I want to have a company that is not solely based on me or my talents because they are very few and far between. So I'm going to have multiple people on the team and I'm going to be more behind the scenes logistics and customer service. Okay. Uh, I'm not coming into this with any, you know, inheritance. I have say five, 10,000 bucks saved up in the bank that I have because I've, I've, been doing my regular job and I've kind of gotten this started part-time and everything that I've got part-time I've just been squirreling away in the bank mm-hmm. but I'm really I'm getting overwhelmed with the time that I'm spending in both places I have a, a, a spouse uh, and a life outside of this that I haven't been able to keep up because I'm so busy and the spouse is kind of going hey dude you need to, yeah you need to do something here and I would like it to be something that pays the bills my new business is not quite able to support me, but I'm getting to the point where I can't grow it because, because I don't have any more time. Mm-hmm. It will take me more time to grow it to the point to where it can support me because my time is so spent, my sleep is a mess. You know. So how much? How many times have you heard this? Because I've heard yeah. this a lot. So how you mentioned you have some savings, some cushion. Okay. How far, how long will that carry you? Can you, your, your paying job, your slave wage, wage slave, whatever, can that be cut to part-time? Mm-hmm. Good question. So I could talk to my boss about that. So if you can cut that to part-time mm-hmm. and then um, still have some income coming, mm-hmm. which helps reduce the stress mm-hmm. because stress is going to kill you along the way, Yeah, for sure. then you can put more time into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you need help on some areas you're not quite as confident in others. Mm-hmm. So you can look for that help through uh, free resources. Mm-hmm. I would go to the SBA. Yeah, Small Business Association. I would also mm-hmm. go to local universities. Interesting. What am I looking for there? Well, what do you need for your business? If you're going to have a number of members on the team, you're going to have to have some kind of HR policy manual. Yes? Yeah, sure. You're, you you have your business, you have your goal, you have your brand, you have your mission statement. You want to make sure that is all maintained across the board. That's right. And you want to make sure it's right. Mm-hmm. Well, 
every business major in this state in order to get their degree has to do a capstone project. Okay, yeah. Entire classes take on entire projects. So you can reach out to these, you need help doing your, your manual, then reach out to a professor who teaches HR. Mm-hmm. They also all have to do internships. Yeah. They have to do unpaid internships. Yeah. So you can get the free assistance where you need it. Yeah. And hopefully, it's, do you feel like internships, is there a way to do this towards definitely mutually beneficial? Because I, I know I personally feel like, and I, I maybe this is just me, but how do you uh, do it to where you don't feel like you're taking advantage of anyone? Um, I, I try to be aware that I am giving back. It's a teaching situation. Mm-hmm. And the honest to goodness truth is the fact that I have never intern, paid employee, whatever. I have never asked an employee to do something I would not or have not done myself. Of course, yeah. Um, but it, I do have, even now I have a problem saying go do this when I know I know how to do the list and I should just do it, but right. I don't have the time. Right. But um, yeah, that's weird. It, yeah. it's to keep them and, and to remember. And sometimes it's giving them an opportunity that's not even a chore. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need, you're going to have them do this, this, and this for two hours then say, listen, do you want to sit here for an hour and you can look through the old albums and get an idea of what poses or whatever. Whatever, yeah. Um, Do you want to sit in on a a consultation with me so you can get an idea of what to say? Mm -hmm. Good, so they walk away better Mm -hmm. and more well-learned. And not just about the subject. That whatever they're studying, you would be amazed at the number of applicants I get mm-hmm. who don't know what BCC is on email. Ah, yeah, yeah. So general office experience. How does it go? Helps, yeah. How, what is it like to be in an office? Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Well, so I get a little bit of help. Uh huh. I can cut my gig down to part time. Gives me more time to work right. on my other thing and get it And up. I think you then you need to triage. Okay, what does that mean? You want to do both. You want to do planning and photography. Yeah. You can do either both half-assed to begin with, or you can focus on one and then expand to the other. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you think you should start with one and not try to open up the I think when they're that, that far spread, yes. Okay, okay. Um, okay. I think you start with what your core is, and in this case I would start with the photography before the other because, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you realize... The other gets much easier to do once you've been in the industry for a while and you have the connections. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about this industry in general? This is something that you could answer certainly even better than I. What do you suggest is a good way for a new artist slash entrepreneur to get connected? Because everybody, and they so proudly say, oh, word of mouth has been my biggest thing. Well, word of mouth doesn't mean that's like that's like saying that's not good advice to me to go well you got to get some word of mouth that's like saying I have to have experience to get a job mm-hmm. that I need experience to get you right. know what I mean so mm-hmm. how do you even get it started I think you work for someone else yeah I, honestly in in every situation that's, and not just in this industry 
Um, I wouldn't advise my daughter to go out and start her own marketing firm until she goes works for someone in marketing. Yeah. Not only just build the contact and the experience, but it's a good way to figure out if this is really what you want to do. That's very practical. And uh, I, I've said this so many times on the podcast, people are going to get sick of it. But I, I find that our industry uh, does this thing to people, to artists, that they go, oh, you're a really good artist. You should open up your own shop. And I that baffles me because of such a conflicting statement. They don't mean it like that. They mean right. that you're a shining star. But maybe and, there's a reason that they're a shining star, yeah. that they're in the right position to and, be and a shining star. And here's the other thing, too, is that and in this industry, and I think it's this industry because I, I can't think of any, off the top of my head, too many other industries that have so many small mom-and-pop kind of companies. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the automakers don't deal with a lot of suppliers. <laughs> no, of course. You know, so it, the industry in itself, I think... There's tends, no regulations. Right, and it tends to, to braid yeah. a yeah. lot of small businesses instead mm-hmm. of large ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't always know that's what you want to do until you get into it. I've been asked many times over the years. I, I speak on marketing to millennials. Right. I, I teach other bridal show producers. I do work for mm-hmm. many people. Why don't you just open your own, you know, start your own show, buy your own magazine, buy Bob out like I could afford that. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why haven't you? And the honest to goodness answer is I love what I do and I'm in the perfect place because mm-hmm. I get to act and do everything like I am a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have the responsibility. And I have said from day one when I started working for Bob, I've seen the boss's job and I don't want it. Yeah. That's me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to run a business. I don't want and have the desire to put the 80, 100 hours a week in to do a business. Mm-hmm. And that's a self-realization that you have, people have to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think working for someone else and even if you can't get hired, helping. Mm-hmm. Let me tag along as your second shooter. Let me help you deliver the wedding cakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Just getting immersed in the industry. Mm-hmm. Because it will also help you understand whether it's really viable for you to mm-hmm. get involved in the industry where you are. Mm-hmm. Because the reality of it is, is that the area only needs so many photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only have so many outdoor rustic barn-like venues. Yeah. At some, you know, there's a. Our our industry hasn't figured that particular thing out. But, yet, there, but. there's always going to be. <laughs> yeah. You know. The new if, barn. If you're not the first on in on a new thing. Yes. Once you do get into it, is there enough market for you to to survive? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean studies mm-hmm. say that if you're not first in you better find something else that you can right. be first in um so you need to be creative okay i i kind of veered away from mm-hmm. my from my uh, uh role playing so triage choose photography first and then let that open up opportunities into wedding planning or, or mm-hmm. event planning in general and then um as far as just Getting connected within the community and starting to, because I'm a little bitty it's right easy. now, I don't have a lot of money to go, you know, spend. Maybe I get a small ad or something. But how, yeah, go ahead. Tell me what's easy well, about Well, as a photographer, the, 
every wedding professional needs good photos. Mm-hmm. And most of them don't have currency them. to hold. Yeah. So able to offer. hi, Sue at Sue's Bake Shop. Listen, I am a new photographer. Um, I am trying to get to know people in the market. I was wondering if maybe we could work out a deal. I may come by and photograph some of your cakes for you, and you'll give me photo credit when you use them, and you, I can use them to help build my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Because how do you show brides a portfolio if you haven't done a wedding? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's how... And is, and is that, you feel like, let's say I am a baker, mm-hmm. and not a photographer, um, so I don't have that quick and easy currency to use. Can I, is there some way to do, I mean, even just, just whatever product you offered, say, sure, you know, sure. I'm just, I'm just um, looking to connect. You, I'd love to you know, share. If, okay. If you're a baker, you. uh huh. you're a baker. I would probably start, I would start by, uh, putting some sweat equity into it and taking cake samples and my information to every venue yeah. in town, every photographer. Yeah. Um, I would start calling consultants to see if you can set up a tasting with them if you're a baker yeah, so good. that you can get on their list. Um, now this is all, and I just want to point this out, this mm-hmm. is all very proactive, go out, mm-hmm. leave the cave. You gotta. You know, hunt your clientele down and drag them back, which is, But I you're think, not selling. But that, here's the difference. Yes, it is. It's proactive out of the cave, but you're not selling. No, you're business to business relating. You're introducing, you're meeting someone. Yeah. And if you're an introvert who really doesn't like doing point. that, you need to either learn to fake it. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty much what I do. Sure. Um, or you're not going to be in this business. Yeah. Well, I, I know people know this, but I think there is part of a lot of people, there's a little bit of surprise when they go, wait a minute. I plugged in my phone with my new number and it's not ringing mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. You know, I built a website uh, and nobody's clicked yeah, on used my to, contact It used to be one. that, um, yeah, I have an ad in the yellow pages. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to screw up this mm-hmm. this um, saying and I don't even know who to relate it to, but if you, if you aren't a good salesperson or marketer, you're going to have the best product that nobody knows about mm-hmm. or something. There's a cute way that, the, that this person said it. And that is, uh, I think, another really tough hurdle for the entrepreneur, or excuse me, the artistic entrepreneur to, to go out and think, well, I got to really spend a lot more time selling my product before I actually get to do well, it. Well, really, yes, but today it's much easier than it was to get started in some ways if you don't want to go out than it was five, ten years ago. Mm. Because think about it, you can build the following, if you're a baker, you can build a fabulous following on Facebook and Pinterest with photos. That's true. That's true. That's true. So you can breach that divide, so to speak. Good. Yeah. And there's a lot of groups out there that will let you do that. There's the venue association, there's wedding, and I mean, there's dozens and dozens of Facebook groups. Yeah. Industry specific, region specific. Um... The other great way to get your name out there, I mentioned sweat equity, is to be involved in the community and give away stuff. Sure. Um, a baker, who obviously not limited to weddings, 
you know, high schools are always looking for silent auction items yep. and whatever. And it's getting the name out there. And yep. yes, you've got hard costs. You've got to take your time. If you're a baker, you got to do the cake. It's getting it out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay, enough about that. Couple rapid fire questions. Uh, new company within the first three years of business. What is your definition of success for them? Within our industry. Let's make that easier. Within our industry. Honestly, still in business. Yeah. I'm pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing in area two, especially makes it easier in some ways if you look at it in the right way mm-hmm. in our industry mm-hmm. is it's not an unlimited product you have. Mm-hmm. Most weddings happen on the weekends. Most weddings happen on Saturdays. So you basically have 52 products you can sell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So when you look at it, at how many of those do I have to sell to really just make it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think another measure of success, one to three years, would be, are you getting recommendations, referrals from other people in the industry? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's your number one source of business after everything else. Yeah. And in some ways, probably even more so. Mm-hmm. And we tell people all the time, we push, set up early, walk around, talk to your fellow exhibitors. That's right. Yeah, um, because if some a bride comes to you and you're booked on her weekend, you're going to refer her to someone you know. Oh no, I'm going to tell her to cancel her wedding and refund. <laughs> well, no, assuming she can't do that <laughs> because that's she has a non-refundable funny. deposit at the venue, <laughs> let's assume. Okay, okay, okay. Other than that, yeah. Okay, um, your uh, younger sibling comes to you and says, "I'm going to start a business in this industry." What are the first three things you tell them to do? Uh, something else. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> um, again, I tell them to get hooked up with someone who's already doing what they want to do mm-hmm. before they start the business. Mm-hmm. To have, make sure they have a true understanding, especially in this industry, because if you are starting a business, if you're starting a business anywhere, you're not a nine to five, eight to five, Monday through Friday, but especially in this industry, you are never going to be Monday through Friday, eight to five. Yeah. Um, so do that and get an understanding. You really know what you're doing. What you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Research the local professional organizations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See one's a good, which one's a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. Notice what names pop up all the time. Start following those Facebook pages and mm-hmm. Instagram and such. Mm-hmm. See what names are popping up all the time. See what they're doing, if they're successful, and see if you can learn from them. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's two. That's two. One more, huh? Um, I'm always big on educating. Yeah. So establish yourself. Stay educated, but also establish yourself as... An expert. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's if you manage to build a lead list or if you have a list or something, what you should be sending out is three tips on booking your wedding, mm-hmm. two tips to avoid, what to, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, content marketing. Content marketing, making yourself the expert, but reaching out to others mm-hmm. to make themselves an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tell them to, again, get involved, look at the local organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, probably can't afford the membership right now. Yeah. But watch that. But you can still go as a guest. Yeah. To all these things, yeah. whether it is, I tell people to look at organizations that aren't industry related. Hmm. Okay. 
because if you're going into the industry because you like doing this, as we talked earlier, doesn't mean you know anything about the business. So going to events at the marketing association, the advertising federation mm. will help you learn the business skills you may not have. It's going to make you more well-rounded. Yeah, it's great. Last question. Mm-hmm. I want to word this correctly because I want to make sure you understand. Is there a character quality or a um, something that you see? You've, you've done this long enough and you've worked with enough young businesses, not young as an age, but new mm-hmm. businesses. Is there something that you see that's fairly similar in people that you go, those guys, they're going to do okay? What is it that, you know, is, there, is that even, a, is that even a, a reasonable question? Is it different within everybody? Or are there a couple qualities that you I see in people? I don't know that it's so much a quality that I see in people that says they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the qualities I see flag me to the ones who aren't going to make it. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, let's ask it that way. Um... Without, of course, naming any names. Arrogance. Arrogance. Oh, yeah, sure. Honestly, that's it, the arrogance. It's uh, nobody can tell you anything. You know better than anyone. Unteachable. Mm. Um, and that, that will kill you every time. Yes. Uh, I, <laughs> the number of times I've had discussions going, this is not going to be an effective ad for you. Yeah. I don't care. Run it. Okay. You the boss. I, I, I warned you. Yeah. I, you know. Um, pick a different photo. This is not going to, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, sometimes people send in stuff for their ads. It's no other word for it is ugly. <laughs> yeah, it, not attractive. Yeah, it's you know, and we fix it, and that's what we do. because yeah. that's that's what my job is for sure. But if you're not willing to listen to other people, right. Um, it's like you, there's there's wedding professionals in this town that absolutely insist you cannot sign a bride at the show. Sure, I've talked to those people, and then I've talked to my other neighbor who goes, "Hey, I got six contracts. How many did you get?" You know? <laughs> yeah, just... Twenty eighteen. Yeah. In the three shows, this is my little bragging. This is brag away. Over half a million dollars in business was signed. At the shows. At the shows. Jesus. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for them. So it can be done. And so it's, if you're so arrogant, though, and so closed that you're not willing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a firm believer free advice is worth what you pay for it. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, but if you're not willing to take it in, that's what's going to doom you. Yeah. When nobody can tell you anything and you know better. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is following along that is that and everybody else is wrong. Mm, yeah, yeah. No matter how they're doing it, yeah, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. This is how you should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I appreciate to some degree the ego of an entrepreneur that says, I'm proud enough that the world needs me. Yes. That has, they have to have right. that. Right. Um, but if you're unteachable... Then your ego is Those, too that's, far. That's when I. That's truly when I see that the, I'm going. Yeah, they're not gonna. And it amazes me how many different. Ti- and this is just adding on to the ego thing. How many different times I've talked to people who have such strong opinions on things or concepts or people, you know, staples in the industry. You, mm-hmm. Bob. Uh, 
I mean, there's so many thoughts and opinions and stories because mm-hmm. you guys have been around for so long mm-hmm. and you hold so much influence. So, of course, there's going to be thoughts and opinions. But it baffles me, no matter what thought or opinion you have, unless it's a very deeply personal thing. Right. That you can't take, you know, a dynamic duo like you guys and go, holy shit, look at what they've done. How what can I learn? What can I glean? How can I figure this out? Because I'll tell you, and if I can, I mm-hmm. can throw this at you... I had a huge agenda in pulling you in here because I've never gotten the chance to like pick your brain. Mm-hmm. And so this was my excuse to get to do that. That's <laughs> this fine. is very much a And you can see I'm I'm so hesitant to do it. Yeah. I, yeah, you're pretty shy. I've always noticed <laughs> yeah, that yeah, about yeah. you. <laughs> but I mean I, I it baffles me that there's any you know, whether they are new successes or old veterans that you couldn't go or that anybody could have the opinion of that they can't learn from them because they're so different. And I think that's, that's if you've closed yourself off that much. You know, and, and again, I, we all know everything goes pretty much and what opinions and that are. And it, it, it cracks me up because I hear back that so-and-so thinks this about me and I've never met him. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. They are far-reaching uh, judge of characters. You know, and, and it is, and it, it, I love sharing. I love teaching. I love, I have a million ideas and I, I, I just, I want to do that. And it frustrates me. And I'm particularly like at students when I was involved with the marketing association, that was my thing. How do we help students grow and, and whatever. So it frustrates me. Like I will tell you quite confidently, I know bridal show producers from around the world. And I will tell you, I don't think there is another bridal show anywhere that does as much for their exhibitors as we do. The level of training and the level of support. Mm -hmm. And it frustrates me because I'll do the pre-show. And maybe that's something people don't realize. Bob doesn't do pre-show training anymore. I do. Oh, I didn't know that. The last one I went to, Bob did it. I do them. Nice. So whether you've done shows for years or not... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm willing to bet if you come out, you're going to hear one idea. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, please listen. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. all this dispute. Please listen. Yeah, I agree. So, And sometimes I go on too long, like today. No, you're perfect. This has been so wonderful. Anything you want to pitch? Yeah. Uh, where can people find you? They, I'm at Texas Weddings. Okay, TexasWeddings.com. TexasWeddings.com. Go look at our lovely new website. It only took six years to get. (laughs) It's so fabulous. It is really good. Uh, Oh, and there's so much more we've got planned. Really? Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. I'll come back. Fantastic. Cool.